All right, this is a new, a new series and we're going to be talking about discerning power. How to really discern what's going on in, in God and how to walk in discerning power of the Spirit. And we're going to start today and we're going to look at discerning power. We're going to look at justice versus injustice. Justice is the idea of that which is right, that which is lawful, that which is righteous. It has the idea of that which is right in conduct in terms of the way you behave yourself, that which is right in the way that you behave yourself in society, in the church of God, amongst those around you. It talks about correct living, the way you live correctly. And it juxtapositions itself against the wrong way of doing things or dishonesty or the lack of integrity. So we're going to be talking about the discerning power to discern justice and injustice and to be walking with God in the just way. Now we read a verse of scripture in Genesis chapter 6 verse 9 and it says these are the generations of Noah and you would have read this just recently because you've been reading through Genesis and it says Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation and Noah walked with God. So it actually tells us that at the time when Noah was building the ark, he was the, a just and perfect man. In fact, we, we know that he was the only just and perfect man left. So we ask ourselves, well, how did it get so bad, you know, so quickly? You will have read in Genesis 4 how, um, how Cain had uh, killed his brother and then he, uh, God had actually spoken to Cain and told him, you know, that uh, you, you better be careful. Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. Then Cain went out and he ignored what God had said. He took an unjust path, an, a path of injustice and, rather than a just path. And he slew his brother Abel in the field. Then God came to him and he talked to him. And in, Je in Genesis chapter 4 verse 11, he actually cursed him and he said to him, So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And when you till the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond you will be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground, I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that everyone who finds me will kill me. So what we have is an amazing thing that happens there. What we get to see is that even though humanity had sinned, even though humanity had slipped away from God, God still was there. He was still speaking to them. He was still meeting with them face to face. You think that at the fall, that was the end. They, they lived in this place where God wouldn't talk to them anymore. But he came even after the fall and spoke to them face to face. He would talk to them. He would interact with them. And Cain, before he did his terrible thing, actually had God come and talk to him face to face and said, Hey, Cain, stop. Don't do this. So there was an interaction. And when the curse came, Cain realized that he was now being driven out from the presence of God. He wasn't going to see God anymore. He wasn't going to be with God anymore. He was going to be away wandering through the world and God wasn't going to come and talk to him anymore. So he'd fallen, as it were, from grace. There was grace there back then. There wasn't law. It was like these people lived in a relationship with God even though they'd sinned. God's grace was upon them. And Cain had fallen away from that. And driven out into the wilderness, driven out into a place called Nod. The word Nod, the city of Nod was called a place of exile. That's what the word means. Nod means the place of exile. He's wandering through the wilderness with his, with his wife and they, they build a city out there. And he said uh, in verse 15, he says, The Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken upon him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. 
And then in verse 16 it says, And the family of Cain, the Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. You see, he's left now the presence of the Lord. So even after they fell, they were living in the presence of the Lord. God was actually talking with them. They were communing with God. He's gone away now. He's fallen away from that place. And now he's dwelling in the, in the land of Nod, which, which I told you is, is, means he's exiled and he's east of Eden. Now, in, in, in Genesis chapter 4, we read, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. For God had an appointed another seed, and this time to, uh, instead of Abel, who, whom Cain had killed. And in verse 26 it says, And as for Seth... To him all the son, a son was born and they named him Enos. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. So what we have there is um, Seth is born and we have a godly seed set up and we have men and women calling on the name of the Lord, interfacing with God. We have Cain who's wandering now out in the wilderness. He's looking around and exiled from God, not talking to God. Every demon in hell has come to visit him and starts to pollute his mind. Every wicked thing is surging through him. You take God away, what takes its place is filling him now. Everything that is anti-God is filling his life and he's become this despised and rejected and he's, he's just despicably evil. He's evil all the way through. Cain, his wife, the children. Everything that's under him is fallen from God, has no sense of God's presence, and now creating a God to worship other than the God of the universe. Seth and his children, worshipping and seeking God, loving God. You have two lines of people, Seth's line and Cain's line. So if it had stayed like that, it would have been okay. But it didn't stay like that. It didn't stay just and it didn't stay right. If you go back to that verse, you'll find that in verse chapter five, chapter 5 in Genesis chapter 5, we read these words, and some of you would have probably thought about this and wondered what was, what was going on here. And I want to talk to you a little bit about it and, and talk about why it's become so evil now that uh, it's reached Noah's day. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth that, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God... Now, some people think that they're demons, you know, uh, angels. Look down at the daughters of men, which are uh, Cain's daughters. And they said they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of who, whom they chose. So there are two views of this. And I'm going to tell you my view and I'm going to tell you why it's my view so you can understand. One view says that the angels who are called sons of God. And I think in Job it says that the sons of God came to the throne of God and Satan came along with them and stood before God. Well, that's the sons of God, yes, but I don't know whether that's not good angels and the devil comes along as well. So if it's a son of God, I'm not thinking that it's evil. I'm thinking that it's maybe good rather than an evil fallen spirit. I'm thinking it's probably an angel. So... I have a problem because Jesus says, you know, that the angels don't, are not given in marriage and neither do they marry nor they are given in marriage. So it's like that he actually sorted it for me. So 
We have this idea then that angels came down, they filled, the demonic angels came down, they had sex with women, it's called incubus or succubus, and then they, they, they had children, bore children of those, which were Nephilim or, or, or um, giants in the land. You read that on the giants. The word giants means, uh, if you go back to the Greek and have a look at it, it mean, or the Hebrew, it, it means tyrants. Bullies, it says in the Greek word, bullies and tyrants. So they were like really evil men who rose up, who were, who were like dictators and tyrants who were bullying other people around and they were very strong and the men of great renown, bad renown, ill repute. They were very, very strong and aggressive men, rose up. Now, now if it was that these were demonic beings, we have a lot of problems here because we, we wonder why it's not happening anymore, you know. If it was the sons of God, which is... I mean, you go to Luke and you go, Luke goes back and he goes through the genealogies right back and he says, and Seth, he was the son of Adam and Adam was the son of God. That's a, and in the New Testament, you read son of God, son of God. We're all sons of God. So we, it has the idea that we are sons of God by the fact that God has born us of him and that we're in relationship with him. So Seth's children were called sons of God because they walked with God. Enoch walked with God and God took him. He was not. So he was the son of God. He was sons of God. They were sons of God. And if these men looked at Cain's daughters and they said, Cain's daughters are very beautiful, and they left their status in terms of sons of God and joined themselves with Cain's daughters, you've got godly marrying ungodly. Now that's consistent right through Scripture. Right from the very beginning, through the patriarchs, we're told, the patriarchs said, um, Ishmael went and got wives from Egypt. Isaac got wives from the godly seed. You go down through the children of, of Jacob, he got his wife from his family, the godly side. Esau um, and got his wife from the Midianites and caused a lot of stress. And, and, uh, and, and, and Jacob got his wife from the family, from the godly side. You see this all the way through. Don't over, go across and get an ungodly wife. Well, don't get an ungodly son. You come to the book of Deuteronomy. It says when the children of Israel are walking out of the, of the and they're going to the promised land, it says do not take their sons to marry and do not marry their daughters because when you do this, then you'll get took, taken up into an unjust way and you'll, you'll start following the things of the world, you know? And he warns us. And in the New Testament, he does the same thing too. He says, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. It's like it's consistent from the very book of Genesis right through the whole scripture. Do not mix it with people who are not saved. It says, bad company corrupts good morals. It's a mixture. And he says, this is what God says. And if you mix it, he says, the day that you mix it, he says, he said, um, my spirit shall not strive with men forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days will be about 120. And it says, and there were giants or fellows or bullies or tyrants, apostate people on the earth at those days. And, and also afterwards, and the sons of God came into the daughters of the men and bore children to them. They were men, mighty men who were old men of renown. These were given to d the demonic world and they became demonic in their disposition. And it goes on and says that every thought and imagination of their heart was continuously wicked all the time. So that combination, 
That union with something that was ungodly produced the decay of the righteous way or the just way. It produced injustice in the life and people took their eyes off Jesus and began to put their eyes on the demonic and the, de- and the devils just had a great time. So when, 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 um, when you had Noah coming and it says that Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation, he was the last one. Everybody else was corrupt. Everything they thought was wrong. From the time they got up in the morning, they were thinking how to do sin. All through the day, they were sinning. At night time, when they lay on their bed to go to sleep, they were thinking about how they could sin again. When they woke up in the morning, they would wake up and think about sin. There was no godly thought in their minds. It was continuously evil all the time. And God says, that's it. I've had enough. I, I, I regret that I have made man because of the, of the, of the blend and because it had fallen away. The, the scary thing, when we look at this righteousness that should be in people's life when Jesus is there, is that the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 17, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate and they drank, they married wives and they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. It says in verse 28, Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate and they drank and they bought and they sold, they planted and they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone out from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day that the Son of Man is revealed. So what he's telling us there, there's a condition that's going to take place in humanity and we're going to see it because we're living in the last days and that everybody's mind is going to be depraved. They're going to be given over to thinking evil all the time. So that when you sit down and talk to somebody who doesn't know Jesus and they don't want to know about Jesus and they don't care about Jesus, they are completely atheistic, they just don't believe in God, all you will get from them all the time is evil and corruption. And this world is just peddling evil and corruption all the time. They, they do things as though they were normal. It's normal to take drugs. It's normal to drink alcohol and get drunk. It's normal to swear. It's normal to lie. It's normal to be doing all the wrong thing. That's just normal. And if you try and say that there's a better way, there's a just right, who do you think you are, you're holier than thou, trying to preach to us? Who do you think you are? Because they don't accept a just way. So it's getting bad. In our days, it's all about this injustice. Self is the centre of things in our society. What is good for me would be the centre of the whole of the evil. Remember the devil stood up and said, I will make myself high above the throne of God. I will exalt myself. That was the self-centeredness that drove the evil. So injustice is driven not by thinking about other people. It's thinking about what is good for you and what makes you feel good. What you want. Justice is the other way. It focuses not on what is good for you, but on glorifying God and what is good for the church and what is good for the country and what is good for the family. It thinks about others. Justice is other-oriented. Injustice is self-oriented. So God shows us very clearly that there's a way of thinking that that's not good. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, we're told, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they do not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of Christ, who is the image of Christ, and he can't shine on them. So it's like people just can't see it. Their minds are blinded. Like the devil takes their eyesight away so they cannot see what you're talking about. You talk about Jesus, you talk about loving God, and they look at you and they laugh at you. Nothing there. Not thinking about God. There is no God. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 19, he tells us these words. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their thinking, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. So that, he says, don't let your mind start thinking like People who don't have God. Remember what happened at the beginning, he says. Their minds were filled with every kind of depravity and it was continuously evil all the day. Don't get caught in that trap. Don't think like the Gentiles who've lost that sense of God, who don't have that relationship with God, who have this hardness of heart and all they're thinking about is lewdness, evil, whatever they can do, which is fun for themselves. Fun for themselves rather than those things that are good for God. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 34 tells us that righteousness exalts a nation. Living the just way exalts a nation. Then what is good for our country? Well, is, is it good for our country that we do unjust things? It's not good for the country. It's not good for the morale of the country. It's not good for the life of the country. Is drug addiction good for the country? Is drunkenness good for the country? Is swearing good for the country? Is lying good for the country? Is stealing good for the country? Are those good for the country? They're not good for the country. Absolutely not. They bring the decay in the country. And you sit down and you look around and it's going on all the time. Everybody's doing it. And you know what? It's not so bad to tell a little white lie. You begin to think that way. It's not so bad to steal. You know, everybody has to, you know, I can just put it in my pocket and walk out with it. It's okay. And you start to think that way. It's not so bad to tell a little story because it makes me look good. And you begin to think that way. And all of a sudden you begin to live that way. And you think you're okay. You think you're going to go with me with Jesus. But it says terrible times in this last day. People will be lovers of themselves, boastful, arrogant, pride. It gives you a whole array of things that are going on because we're thinking the evil way. God raises up men and women to be lights in a dark place. Not to be clouded and darkened and to live like the world. He raises us up to be lights in a dark place. Righteousness in your life exalts the nation. We need more righteous people for this nation to go strong. We need more people standing up for the right rather than the wrong. But you know what? We're intimidated and we're put down if we stand up for the right. If you have an opinion and you, and you know that the rest of the world says, ah, oh, no, we don't agree with it. As soon as you express your opinion, ah, oh, how can you have that view? You're just against them. You're discriminating. You're doing all these sort of things and you're intimidated so that you don't stand up for the right. Listen, friends, it's time for us to be bright. 
time to us to be bright and to be light. It's time to us to stand up for justice and righteousness. It's time for us to be right. We need to be discerning of the hour. We need to be discerning of the day. And we need to really let God deal that, do that work in us to stand up and be the light that we're meant to be. Amen? In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 8, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. Now, I want you to, to think about this thing. He says the wisdom of the, of the wise or the wisdom of people who are thinking, he says, is to give thought to their ways. Stop. Take some time out. Think about it. What are you thinking? What are you doing? Give some thought to your behavior. Some, the, 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 the proverb said, give thought to the way that you're living. Ask the hard questions of yourself. Am I doing this? Is it good for me or is it good for the family? Think about it in the home. You know, you might be having difficulties in the home with your mum or your dad or your brothers or your sisters. And there might be fighting and bickering going on. All bickering comes with what I'm losing and what I'm winning or what's good for me or what's not good for me and, and what's fair and what's unfair. You know, And we begin to defend ourselves and fight with each other. Rather than just take a, uh, uh, an avenue that says, how about we live in unity as a team and work together as a team rather than be arrogant and fight one another? It starts in the home. It starts, take a look. Have a look at your ways. Have a look at the week that you've just had. Think about the week that you've just had and ponder the ways in which you've lived this last week. Think about it. If you want to be wise, slow it all down and say, did I live for myself this week? Or was I living for Jesus? Was I shining as a light this week? Or was I being shattered and covered and I wasn't living my life out for Jesus? I was just hiding behind something and just pretending, getting along, hoping that Jesus never saw my sin. Look at Jesus. He says, the wisdom of the wise ponders, gives thought to their ways. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 12 says, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. And if you're pondering your ways, you should be able to say, ask Jesus, open my eyes. If I'm living in a way that it ends up in death, show me. Show me. Because it's a fool that keeps on going when troubles are coming. If you really want to live for God, ask him to show you the folly of your behavior the sinfulness of your behavior. It may not be nice when he shines the light and it may mean that you feel very much a lot of pain because he's shining the light, but it's better you to feel pain now and to repent now than to feel the pain of hell forever. Think about it. Is the way that you are living God's way or your own way? Because if it's your own way, you need to recognize it's the way that seems right to you and you can justify it, but the end, it leads to death. And God will not be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that's exactly what he will reap. If you sow to your flesh, you will reap from your flesh destruction. If you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap from the Spirit life. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 14 says, The backslider in his heart will be filled with his own ways. Just imagine that. 
You're backslidden away from God. You've walked away from God and you think, no, this is my way, so I'm going to do it my way. And you're walking around very, very proud about you, you slipped away from God. You're like Cain wandering in exile now, full of yourself, full of demonic ideas, full of ideas that are not of God. You're just wandering in the wilderness, waiting for destruction to come and take you away. Just the backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from above. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and Paul tells us in Romans chapter, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect, the perfect will of God. In Psalm 89, verse 14 says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before you. God builds his throne on the fact that things have to be right and things have to be just. If your life is not right and just, you're not built upon the throne. You're not built upon the foundation of God's throne. You have to think this one through. If you are doing things that are not right, you cannot say that you are safe. You have to look at yourself and shake yourself and say, wake up before it's too late. Wake up before it's too late. Isaiah tells us in chapter 1 verse 17, learn to do good. It's a, it's a learning process. It might not feel real nice to start off with, doing good things rather than bad things. Phil, when you started to learn to do good, was it fun? It was hard. And the reason why it's hard is because everything in your flesh says it's missing out on the fun. The fun's involved with the bad. If I can do the bad, I feel good about that. It's good for me. I feel like it's good. This is learn to do good. Well, that's just the art of saying no to yourself. It's the art of saying no to yourself. It's the art of saying, well, I should I? Well, I no, I won't. I think I will withhold. I will say no to myself. And when was the last time you said no to yourself? When was the last time you said then you got an itch and you wanted to scratch it? Every day. Says Phil, every day he feels like he's got a itch and he wants to scratch it, but he's learned a practiced art of saying, No, just because it itches does not mean I scratch it. Just because I feel like I want to doesn't mean I do it. The path of a good man is a learned path that says, I will do the right thing irrespective of what I'm feeling. Okay, everything inside me wants to do the bad thing. I can feel it, I can feel the temptation, but you know what? I have learned the art of saying, Seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. They're all good things. And love is a discerning of what is right. And living a life of love is about discerning what God wants. In Philippians 1 verses 9 to 10, you know this, we learned it, but I'll read it to you and you can think about it. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. This is the love of God. This is the agape of God in your heart. He says, you know, if you want to live justly, if you want to live rightly, he says, this is the life of love. You've got to love God more than anything else. And he says, and this love is going to start to grow in you. So you don't just sit there and say, oh, well, I suppose I love God now and everything's okay. He says, no, let that abound still more and more. 
what, had great feelings of, you know, the, the, problem with, the problem with getting too emotional about your love for God is that when the emotions die and they stop, what happens? Where did God go? The emotions are suddenly gone. The best thing about God's love is that you can be being fried to death for your faith and feel horrible, but you can still have love. Funny that, eh? That God would still let you have his love and that you'd be able to discern the right thing even though it was killing you. Because it's not built upon your emotional state. It's not built upon the way you feel. It's built upon your choice and your ability to know what is right and to know what is best and to choose the right and to choose the best. Let your love grow in knowledge and depth of insight that you may approve the things that are excellent that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness that are by Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. You know, justice, living the just way, is the loving way. Living the just way is learning to live in love. Love for your fellow man, love for your country, love for men and women around you, love for your family. Living the just way is loving good and hating evil. We need to get to that place in our lives where we live this life of love. Now, Paul, he talks about it in Romans chapter 13, verses 8 to 14. And I'm going to read it. Owe no man anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. He says, this is not about legalities, doing the right thing. So I don't want you to get... The idea of justice in your mind is that I'll keep all the rules of the law. The Pharisees did that and they were corrupt on the inside. So this is not about legalism, okay? Justice has to do with a heart, a loving heart that wants God in the heart so that it lives for God and lives out God in the, the way they live. He says, you love. He says, if you love each other, he says, you fulfilled the whole law. Why? Why? Because love won't do some things. It won't commit adultery. And why won't it commit adultery? Well, you love your wife more than you love the pleasure of adultery. It won't steal. It won't murder. It won't bear false. It won't tell lies. It won't covet. And if there's any other commandment, all are summed up in saying this, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's a just way to live, loving your neighbor. Turn to your neighbor and say, I love you. Uh-huh. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Okay, you know, well, slander. Slander. Gossip. Slander and gossip. They do harm. All those things that are, oh, you just love to tell, do harm. Lying does harm. A heart that is just has decided that loving God is the best solution for a fallen humanity. Loving humanity is the best solution for a fallen society. And it lives love. It says, put on Christ and do nothing... Uh, and do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of your sleep... And now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed, he said. 
Verse 12 says, The night is far spent and the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day and not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and in envy. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. This is the just way. Discerning life is living in this way. Letting this be your guide. Justice and injustice. Micah 6 8 says, He's shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord does require of you. Say with me, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Say it again. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's it. Now, friends, we're living in some terrible days. Your eye gate and your ear gate is open to a whole lot of stuff that's coming at you all the time. You listen to the news. You listen to the radio. You listen to videos. You listen to music. You watch TV. You watch movies. You're opening all your gates to every lie that comes from hell. And if you are not putting righteous thoughts in the place, your mind will be corrupted and you will plummet to hell because justice will be overtaken by injustice. Right will be overtaken by wrong. Your mind will be blinded, your heart will be polluted and you will fall from your position in God. These are terrible days. These are terrible days. Jesus can come back at any time. He could come back this afternoon and if you're living where you're living and you haven't given this thought, you could find yourself at the wrong place. God is calling you not to a works mentality but to a heart mentality. He wants your heart. He wants your mind. He wants the inner self to be consecrated to him. He wants you to say, Jesus, take my mind and take my heart. Make it clean. Confess your fault to the Lord and he will cleanse you. And then keep it clean. Switch it off. Stop listening to it. I, I, I listen to some in the morning. I listen to music that's coming. And, and I'm, I, I listen to the music when I'm pressing weights in the gym. And I, I, you know, you, they, they have the TV on there all the time. And you listen because it's got the beat in it. You know? And every song is filled with lies. Every song I can stop and I can say, this is the lie. Every song that comes through, it's all modern, it's all great, it's all nice sounding, and, and some of you listen to it, you got it on your iPod, you sit in there, and if I start singing it, you can finish the song for me because you listen to it all the time. You put it on, you're looking for it, you're, you're searching for it on the radio, it kind of gets you going, you like listening to it, you think it's trendy. Listen, it's full of doctrines from demons. And they're getting into your head and they're polluting your mind and they're shaping the way you think and pretty soon every thought and intent of your heart will be evil all the time. And he is not inactive. He's not sitting back and saying, oh, I'll let you be because you're a Christian. He's actually stepped up the thing and he's coming at you twice as hard and he's going to make you fall. He's going to make you fall out of heaven and into hell because he hates you with a passion. Friends, you need to wake up. 
look at your life and say, what do I allow? What was I thinking? What am I thinking? What's going on in my head? Is it just? Is it good? Or is it evil? Now, I know the devil comes knocking on our scones and says, why don't you think some bad stuff? And I know that you can't help what you dream. Well, you don't think you can help what you dream, and it comes into your dream. You think, oh, I dream it was horrible. But I want to tell you something. The more you put in that is good, the less you'll get in your dreams that is bad. The more you put in that is good, the less you'll get confused about what's bad. The more you put in the Word of God and the more you ask God to keep your hand and your feet and your foot in the way of truth, the more you'll see of the evil when it comes knocking at your door. If you don't do that, if you don't spend time with God, if you don't spend time thinking and meditating on those things that are good, you will be lost. Because it's an active walk we have with Jesus. Not a passive position. It's an active life of following Jesus. The shepherd has got up, he's moved on, and you are comfortable under a tree. The music is nice, the breeze is good, but the wolves are coming. Walking with Jesus sometimes means taking hardship on, doing the tough stuff, walking the hard yard, going the distance. When everything else inside of you falls out on the ground, the hard yard is picking up your guts and keeping on going. When you want to quit and you think, I've had enough of it, I'm not going to stay at church anymore, they criticize me at church. The tough stuff is pick up your guts and say, church is better than the world. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? What's your options? Live for God or what? There is no middle road. The broad way leads to destruction. The narrow way leads to where you're going to go if you choose not to walk the hard road. There is no tree that is safe. Only the shepherd's feet are safe. Follow the shepherd. He knows where he's going and he'll take you to a good place. It may be hard, but it's deadly dangerous other places. Friends, We must be discerning. These are days to be discerning. Amen? These are days to wake up. The world will tell you it's okay. Everything's okay. They're okay. You're okay. Everybody's okay. Let's have a world religion that's all okay. Everybody's okay. We're all worshiping the same God, he'll tell you. We're not. There's a way that leads to life and a way that leads to death. And you better wake up in your mind and recognize The walk of justice and the walk of the just is the pathway of those who believe in our Jesus. Amen? Let's stand up, shall we? And Father, we come to you right now because you are our Father... And we recognize that the world is a terrible place in which we live. It's horrible, Lord. You know it. You told us about it. You said because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. That's not good news for us, Jesus, because it means that unless we are focused, the world and the devil and the flesh 
will lead us astray. And Lord Jesus, we come to you and we know that we cannot do this without you. We come to you because we need you in our lives so desperately. We need you to help us to sort the rubbish from the good, the wheat from the, from the tares. You need to help us to see with eyes that are clear, Lord Jesus, and not with polluted eyes. Lord, some of us have been poisoned, Lord Jesus, because we drank from bitter water and our, we're sick in our bodies and we're sick in our minds. And Lord Jesus, we want to come to you today and ask you to heal us from the depravity of our minds, Lord Jesus, from the depravity of our thoughts, Lord Jesus. Break us free, Lord Jesus, to serve you with a pure heart. Lord, we come to you right now because you are the fountain from which all goodness comes. You are the Father of light from which all goodness comes. And you said if we need wisdom, we should come to you and ask for wisdom, Lord Jesus. So we're coming to you right now. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd give us wisdom today. Lord, to walk justly, to do right, to love mercy. Lord, to be the people you want us to be, to be light shining in a dark place, Lord Jesus. Lord, we give ourselves to you again afresh today. Lord, not because it's just the thing to do, Father, because we need you in our lives today. We need you to lead us and we need you to guide us every day, shepherd. And Lord, take us to a place of complete trust and availability to you. Lord, may we seek how we can live for your glory, for your good, for the good of your church in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 God bless you.